0: How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Catapulting Commissions family, welcome back incredibly excited to have you this week. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my guest and then I'm gonna tell you why I'm excited to have this conversation. Kate Dixon is the creator of Pay Up, Unlocking the Secrets of Salary Negotiation, the True Leadership Workshop, True You, Creating Your Personal Brand, and your best year yet, Action Reflection Achievement. Now, Kate helps diverse leaders around the world becoming both more successful and more fulfilled through coaching, in-person workshops, masterminds, and online courses where she teaches breakthrough strategies and techniques to accelerate leadership results. Kate has spent the past 25 years working for and consulting with leaders for-profit companies, including Nike, Intel, American Express, Opal, Quantum, Air Liquid, Kaiser Permanente, and Macari, as well as nonprofits like DePaul Industries, Period, the Learning Policy Institute, and the Nike Community Impact Fund. She's a certified coach and has been a certified compensation professional for over 20 years. Kate speaks for groups and gives podcast interviews on topics including salary negotiations, discovering your principles, authentic leadership, time management, leadership coaching, life planning, planning, and gratitude. Kate provides advice about leadership, pay, culture, and organizations to the subscribers who uh, work with her at katedixon.org. Now, Catapulting Commissions family. The whole premise of the show, the whole premise of the brand, of the brand is designed to teach you, the sales professional, sales leader, sales entrepreneur, how to generate higher income, how to make more commissions. Well, if you're in a position where a salary is part of your compensation, that's a start. If you're a sales leader or a sales executive and you're managing a team or you have responsibilities for creating a compensation plan, you have the direct ability to increase those commissions, but that goes with a whole boat, a whole boatload of other things, including retention, development, et cetera. So I am extremely excited to discuss everything with compensation. Catapulting Commissions family, let's welcome Kate Dixon to the Catapulting Commission show. Kate, welcome to
1: the show. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here.
0: Well, first of all, Kate, thank you for taking the time to spend some time with us. Now, This show might be one of my most downloaded shows because everyone listening loves making money, right? There's not a doubt about it. But I also have a group in my audience that is sales leaders, sales executives, people who are in positions of of management and creating things. Let's just set the platform straight for the entire audience. When it comes to developing or creating a compensation plan for sales professionals, what goes into that?
1: Well, there's a a ton that goes into it. So, you know, when we as compensation professionals look at sales plans, we're looking at, um, you know, how how much do we need to sell as a company? Um, What. Uh, what level of revenue are we willing to share with our sales reps? Um, and, you know, a ton of stuff. And, and we look at territories, we look at individuals, we look at, um, you know, the the leadership, all of that kind of stuff comes together. Um, but, you know, basically most commission plans or sales plans have, um, you know, a few things in common. So um, there's the mix. So how much, base pay versus how much commission. So that's one of the things that we, um, we talk about and, you know, the, the mix depends on the type of sale. So if it's like a, uh, you know, commodity kind of an issue, short, um, sales cycle it tends to be higher commission. And if it's a, a longer sales cycle, Um, relationship-based, stuff like that, we we tend to see a a lower mix. So that might be more like an 80-20 or 70-30 versus, you know, a a 60-40 or even straight commission for these um, shorter uh, time cycles. So so the mix, then we have kind of the design of the plan itself. We've got all these other things that come into play. Um, What do you want to start on first?
0: so let's let's talk a little bit here on that base pay versus commission. So we talked mm-hmm. about the long cycle versus the short cycle. Now, one of the things that sales leaders get challenged with, right, is that ideal mix. Like everybody wants to have a high I mean ideally, right? full transparency. If I'm negotiating, I want the highest base salary and I want the highest commission structure possible. Now, that's not always the case. If we're in these long sales cycle where let's talk complex sales, medical sales, enterprise sales, software sales, where that relationship is of value, what is the ideal percentage mix? Is there there a metric that is, hey, this is the amount of salary, this is the amount of variable comp, and how do you you account for that variable comp?
1: Well, you know, I think, I think everything is, you know, custom to to an organization. What I've seen work really well in these kinds of sales has been more of that 80-20 mix. But, you know, again, it really can depend how, how much impact will uh, the salesperson have on the sale itself, right? Um, you know, I've worked for companies that... Have commission plans, but the product really sells itself. It's really about you know controlling the the supply to each um, vendor and stuff. But um, but in these really big complex sales, you know you you need to make sure that the base level is high enough that people can still live on it um, and, but also have that significant recognition of something that brings a ton of revenue to the um, organization. So, you know, again, it depends, um, but, you know, kind of the 70-30 would probably be the, the l- you know, lowest base that I would imagine would, would be really effective in that kind of thing, knowing that you have to have, um, you know, It'll take sometimes a year or maybe even two years to, you know, to realize the sale from um, this relationship that you're creating.
0: Now, when you're when you're saying 70-30 or 80-20, are you referencing mm-hmm. total compensation? So simple math, if, if total compensation is 100 grand, salary 70,000, variable comp thirty or salaries, Mm -hmm. 80 variable comp, 20. That's how, that's what you're referencing.
1: So, and and like that 30 or the 20%, that is the target. That doesn't mean you're limited to that. Um, And most sales plans have, you know, uh, excellence pay that would be, you know, twice that or three times that, um, depending on um, how the the plan's designed, yeah.
0: So what is the objective of that base pay right I know I know you mentioned earlier that base pay is designed to you know cover cover the necessities of life but in yeah. designing these compounds how much thought goes to that base pay for retention and how much thought in that base pay goes to let's say a cost of living adjustment right you know the person that lives in Bismarck north um yeah, Bismarck, North Dakota, or Wichita, Kansas, doesn't have the same cost of expenses as the person in San Francisco, New York City, Seattle, mm-hmm. et cetera. So yeah. what's the objective and how much thoughts put into developing those base pays?
1: Well, I think that it really depends on, um you know, again, on the type of sale and stuff like that, but um and whether or not the um, the sales rep has control over where they live because some, you know, some, People can live wherever they want and do their sales from, you know, from Wichita or from LA, right? And those are very different um, cost of labor markets. And and I think, you know, the the one thing that I would say is that it's important to know the difference between cost of living and cost of labor. They're different. Um, And when we think about designing compensation plans, we're really looking at the cost of labor. That means how much does it cost to hire somebody in that area, Right. Um, and that could be different than the cost of living. So um, I love to use San Francisco and New York as kind of examples. They're, they're super duper high cost of living areas, and they also do have higher cost of labor, but it's not really enough to offset the entire cost of living, right? And, and um, you know to compare some West Coast cities that you know, um, San Diego and Portland, Oregon, they have a cost of labor that's pretty much the same. It's about 106 percent of the national average, um, but it costs a ton more to live in San Diego than it does in Portland. So, um, so you you know, you have to be thinking about all that kind of stuff, and your comp people are thinking about this as well. But um, in terms of how it relates to the commission itself. Um, You know, again, the way that I've done it in the past is that the, you know, the mix is really uh, based on um, kind of a national average kind of a thing. Um, But there might be uh, offsets like um, cost of labor adjustments or uh, a geographic differential that would be applied to people who are in cost of labor areas that are much higher, right?
0: So, in In identifying that cost of living, cost of labor, and and accounting for that base that base pay, right? I I feel or I I believe in, and this is my experience. I've worked for sales companies that have these large variable comps, right? They're very attractive, right? I mean, it's it's um, it's 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 to a point of saying I can come and attract you for an eighty thousand dollars salary, but I have two hundred thousand dollars in variable comp. Mm-hmm. Versus the company that has a hundred and twenty thousand dollars salary, but only thirty thousand in variable comp. And I use these numbers because mm-hmm. these are some of the numbers that um, that people who work with me, people who listen to the show. I, I have a a mix of people who are highly compensated, yeah, but a lot of it's driven from that variable comp. Yeah, is, is that variable comp driven off of? Uh, forecasted growth numbers? Is that variable comp driven off of P&L? Is there, when you're designing these compensations, and we're talking from the company standpoint, is there a budget you're saying, we can't go over this? Or is there a budget and then a little gray area above?
1: So um, I've typically worked really closely with the head of sales and the finance folks to design these things. So um, (laughs) for instance, um, I had a uh, sales plan one time that people were really frustrated because, um, the company was losing money. Um, and it was a, a very small margin business. So, um, super transactional, super commodity, um, needed high volumes to produce money. Um, and the, the sales plan was based solely on volume and it had nothing to do with, profitability and so you know the sales reps are like okay volume i can do volume i'm just going to cut the cost well then every sale was costing the company money so um so again to in order to to drive the right behaviors in the sales reps and to drive the right outcomes from a revenue and profit perspective um you know, that partnership just has to exist um, really well because, you know, you can forecast, okay, if this is the total um, revenue that we're going to get, what does it make sense um, for paying in commission? And and we look at a number of different performance levels. So um, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with like the threshold target excellence mm-hmm. um, concept. And when we do this, we, we um, model things based on, 95% of people are going to hit that threshold level. So they're going to make at least that amount. And and when a threshold, a threshold means basically that you're not going to get paid any commission unless you make that threshold number, right? So we th- we're, we're going to project that 95% of the people are going to make that. Um, then we look at target, which is basically what we think people are going to make. It's a little bit of a stretch goal, but, you know, we expect between 60 and 80% of people to, to actually meet their targets. And then there's that excellence level that is, you know, kind of where your superstars live. Um, we expect to see about 10% of people kind of overshoot their target level um, and get, you know, maybe 150% or 200% of their target. Um, we we want to be looking at about, you know, 10%. If we have a little bit more, that's great too but we look at um, what is the um the profitability to the company at each of those levels expecting a performance spread in the entire sales group you know of that 95 60 70 10% kind of thing. Does that make so sense? It
0: makes it makes total sense. So in this threshold target excellence uh, discussion is the argument for threshold. And I I know I've had this discussion with sales professionals that say, hey, I've, you know, I manage a territory that generates a million dollars, right? My name's associated to this territory. It does a million dollars because I'm here. In compensation, is that, is that, are those funds allocated through, uh, a salary? Are those funds allocated through the variable comp saying, you know, 95% of the people are going to hit this threshold, whatever the threshold may be. Let's say it's to do the same revenue you did in the previous year, to do 80% of the revenue, whatever that number is. Is that compensation pulled from the salary or is that part of that variable comp discussion?
1: Well, it's, you know, you can't really have one without the other, right? Because, you know, the, the base salary... Um goes into cost of sales, right? So, but, um, but there's no commission that you're paying if somebody doesn't reach threshold. So you can kind of assume that about 5% of your reps won't hit the threshold. So they won't even get any commission. They're just going to be resting on their base pay, which can be very, very uncomfortable for people. <laughs> um, so does that answer your question?
0: absolutely that and that's that's exactly what i was looking for because there is that group that 5% that doesn't hit threshold um there is a group of sales professionals and and being in position of sales leadership i've i've been in that role where hey this person may not be working out anymore they're not hitting their metrics they're not motivated mm-hmm. the the time for them to work with this company is coming to a conclusion so usually miss, missing that metric or missing that threshold helps that That process, they typically say, "I'm going to leave because I can't make money here." And sometimes it's it's a mutually benefit. uh, It's a mutual uh, benefit to both parties involved. So that does answer the question. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional, or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. Let's jump on the opposite side of that spectrum.
1: Yeah, in that I love the opposite side.
0: <laughs> we all do. Catapulted commissions. We live in the opposite side. So
1: yes.
0: when I'm planning or creating a comp plan, one of the things that and this is uh, you know this really is is a, is a question that I don't have an answer to, and I've always wondered myself. When we're forecasting that compensation for that area of excellence, mm-hmm. are we saying, hey? there's going to be a 10%, 5%, 15%, whatever. Of, of those of you that work in the sales force that are going to blow out your number, you make it very challenging and difficult to predict a true budget for compensation. You know, No matter how much we give you a wiggle room, you are going to have top performers that just seem to explode, right? That's what sales mm-hmm. is, right? We want those yeah. people. Yes. Do we account for that money on the sales they generate? Is that just saying, yes. hey... Okay, is, is so? It's like a it's a free for all, essentially.
1: Well, well so um, so different companies do things differently, but um, most companies have some sort of a cap on um, you know how much commission you can make from an individual sale and or in commissions in general. You know that's what I've seen most of the time. Some some don't, and it's totally okay. But but what we have to look at is um, you know the cost of you know, cost per sale is going to go up. If we put an accelerator up, you know, if you, if you make 110% or 120%, you know, sometimes people put accelerators on there because we really want you to get to that next level. But the way that we work it is to make sure that it's not going to, you know, that, that, that next level sale isn't going to cost the company money. Right. So it's all about, you know, you know, we're sharing, the company's sharing more of the sale with the rep who's blowing out their numbers. And that totally makes sense to me. So, yeah. And that's all, that's all figured out. It's, um, you know, we, we look at what it would look like, you know, for the whole group, um, you know, what, what would happen if everybody blew out their numbers and, you know, we, we do scenario planning, you know, what would that look like? What, you know, how, what would that do to our cost of sales? All that kind of jazz. So it's, you know, it's very deliberate. You know, we don't expect everybody to make blowouts, but, you know, there is one thing that we do plan for as well as we look at, you know, we, we call them windfalls and waterfalls. Right. And, um, and so sometimes, you know, there's going to be, uh, something that's outside of the sales reps control that, um, gives them a gigantic sale that is amazing that they didn't really have anything to do with, right? So typically what we write in the sales plan is, hey, if there's something that, um, <laughs> that, you know, that comes into your territory that, you know, normally you would get credit for, but, you know, it's really the CEO that made the sale or something like that. Um, there's usually some sort of a, you know, hey, we're going to, Reserve the right to um, dial that back a little bit um, if if that's a windfall that you really didn't have anything to do with. On the same t- at the same time, there's usually some sort of a waterfall um, provision. So, if something happens like oh, a worldwide pandemic um, <laughs> that is outside of your control um, that would really impact your ability to sell because you know you can't like for salons can't be open for three months and that's going to have a major impact on their sales. Um, you know, they'll, there'll be some sort of a, a way for the leadership to dial that up a little bit, um, to really take into consideration those kinds of things.
0: I like that the windfall, the waterfall, I have been, on both sides where I've had deals that have mm-hmm. fallen in my lap, where it, it's it feels great, you get paid well, you're like, this is awesome. But at the same time, I know I truly didn't generate it. And the, uh, the waterfall, I, uh, we've experienced a few of them, right? We're going through one right now. I know there's plenty of sales professionals that are not making the money they made uh, four months ago that are concerned, yeah. will I make this money again in the future? let's let's switch gears here a little bit in this in this compensation planning, right? If I'm planning a compensation for a sales force, how much time do your clients spend deciding or comparing let's let's like utilizing compensation for retention? Sales professionals are turning over at an all time high, yeah, and one of the arguments is they're turning over because they want to make more money. I'm not making the money I used to make. I can make more money at working at XYZ company. How much time and what research is done when creating compensation plans to say, hey, I want to retain my sales force and I don't want my competitor to steal my top performers.
1: What does that look like in the
0: planning process?
1: So, you know, again, I mentioned that partnership between, you know, sales leadership and finance and, you know, somebody like me, um, that has to be part of the conversation because if, you know, one of your best tools, which is your commission plan, isn't performing the way you need it to, um, you know, or it's rewarding the wrong behaviors or, um, you know, whatever you're seeing, I mean, you're the one who's closest to what's actually happening. And, you know, we in compensation will, you know, we will, we'll, you know, run you some S curves and show you what's happening and hold up the mirror and go, hey, this is, you know, this is how it's working, you know, across the company and stuff like that. But but we don't really know, like, is the plan that we put together, together, um, is, is that having some unintended consequences? And so that's where we really need our sales leaders to you know bring those things to our attention, because, you know, it's not good for the company to have your best salespeople go over to your biggest competitor, right?
0: yeah, it's it's one of those challenges that uh, you know, sales is a high income skill. The ability to sell and drive revenue, no matter what industry no matter what pandemic we always need someone to drive and influence that that decision making process and people are going to get paid for it so that that challenge does exist i know i have personally recruited people from a competitive company or from a company that's in the same industry maybe you're not my direct competitor but i've met you i like you i think you do well i'm going to go recruit you and i'm going to use my compensation plan as like that carrot to draw in but Retaining salespeople in compensation plans in 2020, we don't see things anymore like pension plans. We don't see some of these long term wealth building tools. They used to exist, but more and more they're starting to become on that chopping block where they're starting to be dressed in different, um, different methods of, of, of total compensation. What are those areas of total compensation for a sales force that, that's outside that realm of salary, commission, what does long-term compensation tools look like for a company?
1: Well, um, you know, and I think it depends on the company, but, you know, there there are definitely long-term incentives that that can be, um, you know, allocated to the sales group, just like they are for other, um, other folks. And long-term incentives typically look like some sort of stock plan or equity plan. So, RSUs, restricted stock units, or um, stock options, those are... Um, long-term incentives that are meant to provide a retentive effect, right? Because you don't realize the full value of them for usually around four years, right? So those have been um, tools that we've used really successfully, especially in growth companies, um, to retain great talent. And, And I don't think sales folks should be exempt from that.
0: I completely agree and I and I do know those retention tools. Um, I've been with companies that have had phenomenal retention tools that have some some stake in the game right? The retention tool is significant. If I get a stock today and the stock price 7 years from now, 5 years from now, 4 years from now has tripled, quadrupled, my 10,000, 20,000, whatever number bonus I received 4 years ago is now worth 80. So those yeah. retention tools do work. Are more companies utilizing that stock retention? And is there companies or are companies still evaluating, is a pension, let's just put it out, there, is pension a thing of the past? Do yeah. new companies still offer a pension or is it more stock-driven?
1: You know, the, it's not really the stock that that comes into play. It's really um, the 401k, right? So retirement plans are not dead, Pension plans are, unfortunately, so um, the the technical term is defined contribution versus defined benefit. A pension plan is a defined benefit, so you know what kind of benefit you're going to get at the end of it. Four hundred and one k is a defined contribution, which means you know how much you're putting in, um, and you can allocate it typically to different um, investment funds and stuff like that, that, that correspond to um, the risk that you're wanting to take and the length that will be, you know, length of time it'll be before you retire and stuff like that. The 401ks are, are pretty uh, common. Um, almost everybody has them, you know, even for nonprofits, they have their own version of these. bad uh, is, I think, the way that, retirement's going to work. Um, I, I also love it, you know, and I, I try to design this in when I'm designing comp programs is I, I love, um, profit sharing, um, plans because, um, I think those can be really effective, um, with helping people identify with the company at large and, um, and how, uh, their behavior affects that. It's not as much of an issue with salespeople, frankly, cause they know what's after them, you know? <laughs> um, so, but but I I love that as an additional tool, additional lever, um, and a lot of the larger companies do it. It's you know again not huge. Most of them are you know three to five percent. But that adding that additional amount to you know the four hundred and one k that you're already saving can be um, pretty nice. Is
0: profit sharing more effective in smaller startup companies as opposed to some of these large conglomerates that have? 30,000, 50,000, 80,000 employees. Is it more attractive smaller? Is it more attractive larger? What is, you know, do you have a preference or is it just, it's a, it's a tool we utilize when appropriate?
1: Well, I think it is a tool we use when it's appropriate, but I, um, I think that it's, uh, because the revenue tends to be a little bit more stable, uh, at larger companies, it tends to be something that, People can count on from year to year, whereas you know, some of the smaller companies, it's like, oh, yay, we made a profit. Ooh, we didn't quite make a profit this year, you know. So, it, it, you know, if you have really uh, revenue that goes all over the place, then it can be a little bit more of a challenge.
0: Fair enough. Last question here before I switch gears on you completely. What are the mistakes? Right? What are the top one two mistakes that companies make when crafting and creating compensation plans? to attract and retain sales professionals?
1: Um, I think the number one is the the thing that we were talking about earlier. If you don't have a really great um, partnership with your HR people and your sales leadership and your finance folks, it's doomed. Um, you just can't, you can't create something that meets the needs of your sales force without including all three of these groups. I think another thing is that sometimes people don't do a great job of really understanding the unintended consequences of a plan that they design. So um, that is one thing that I think, you know, your your sales leadership can help you um, spot things that might not be obvious, um, but uh, you know, really making sure that they're not unintended consequences like that story I was telling you about, you know, every sale costs the company money. Um, You know, I think that those are the things, two things, you know, that partnership and really nailing down your unintended consequences.
0: I like what you said there. Those, uh, that partnership is key, but those unintended consequences, if you're a sales leader, if you're a manager, if you're an executive, a VP, it is your job to say, hey, here's some of the consequences with this comp plan. And sometimes they're, they're not intentional, but the, the impact is so detrimental to the company that if you don't speak up, you're not doing your company, you're not doing your team, you are not doing your job, essentially. Your job is to bring areas that are going to cause problems down the road. So I really appreciate you sharing that insight, Kate. Hold up. Let me cut this off for a second. Catapulting Commissions family, thank you for listening to this episode with Kate Dixon, compensation expert. Now you just heard so much about building a compensation plan from the standpoint of leadership, from the standpoint of the company, from the standpoint of a small business. Be sure you click subscribe and join me next week because next week, we're going to talk to Kate about how do you have that discussion when you're the sales professional and you're looking at ways to negotiate your own compensation. You want to go to your company and ask for more money or higher dollars or bigger commission, etc. cetera. We're going to dive into that with Kate Dixon next week. So be sure to click subscribe and I'll see you next week. well, That does it for today's episode on catapulting commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to catapulting commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at, Anthony P Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.